0: Welcome to Day Beautiful, I'm Adam Vitkavich and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest received an MFA in fiction at NYU where he was a writer in public schools fellow. His debut novel, The Look Back Window, is out now please welcome Kyle Dillon Hertz. Hey, Kyle. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this with you.
0: Oh, I am excited that we were able to make it happen. Uh, you just got back from like a back-to-back-to-back opening week tour for your book, The Look Back Window. Uh, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling exhausted because <laughs> it was like, I think it was five cities in like six days. Yeah. Or- four cities in five days it was something like very intense and I oh I'm just like the energizer bunny I always have energy and it was a few days ago where I just was exhausted to a point I've honestly never been in my life like like the worst hangover I've ever had like times 100
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um I will dive into that because I am curious and I think a lot of listeners and other writers are like curious about having an honest conversation about like what releasing a book does to your body your mind and your soul but i do always like to start with um what's your book about tell readers about the look back window from your perspective
1: the look back window tells the story of dylan this kind of like mid to late 20s new yorker whose life changes when new york passes the child victims act which gives uh victims of childhood sexual abuse who have aged out of the statute of limitations one year to decide whether or not to civilly sue their abusers and so the book is set over this period of time where Dylan has to figure out what justice means to him what he wants from his life and like is it possible to recover from you know violent trauma
0: Mm -hmm. writing the book I mean it's a very serious subject matter it's very heavy uh how how was it for you writing it
1: i mean writing was great <laughs> cool. okay great right yeah. writing was amazing it, it was you know a deeply imp- meaningful experience to me um it helps that i was in therapy twice a week at the time but you know the book is not autofiction or memoir okay. in any way although there is some overlap between some details so it was like a great experience to have this kind of like parallel life this other person who was kind of who has been through some similar things but was different than me so i was able to like talk about these subjects that mean a lot to me and to play around with them and create with them so the writing was great i miss that every day
0: yeah and then um And then diving into like touring it and talking about it and talking to people like me about it, you know, in your apartment or at hotels when like you have to do press stuff. Um, What is it like reliving writing it and the subject matter and maybe bringing up things that are from like those therapy sessions over and over and over again?
1: I mean, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is, that's almost the least hard part. Some of Mm. it can be difficult because, for example, like we were in New York with, you know, like 120 people came. It was like a crazy Mm -hmm. amount of people and a lot of them I knew, some of them I didn't. And after, you know, we were all going to a bar and it took like honestly an hour and a half, despite being surrounded by my closest friends, at my favorite bar on earth, for me to like almost like come back into myself, there is an exhausting element to you know not discussing these subjects but having this kind of almost like dehumanizing experience of being not kyle but like kyle dylan hurts and in terms of like what that actually means i i don't change how i talk when i'm up there you know I, that's just not me that, that could never be me so there's there's not even that much distance between you know, Kyle and Kyle don't hurt, but there is distance in the fact that like people are listening to me rather than conversing with me. Mm -hmm. And that is a tiring experience. It doesn't feel fully human. It feels different. Like there's no world where I would ever sit around with my friends and be like, all right, listen to me for an hour. Like that's crazy. Come on. And I, you know, stuff like that. And again, when we're in LA with friends, I, I have learned that there is a transition moment after these events occur where some kind of deep inner psychic exhaustion hits and you almost you know you almost have to like come back to yourself Mm -hmm. and that was surprising to me i I didn't expect that to occur
0: yeah and do you feel like i have to imagine it's exhausting like being on like you're like because you're a writer and in interviews not not even podcast interviews even if it's just like they're recording it it's being transcribed like, words matter, right, obviously. Um, is that exhausting, just, like, thinking of you have to say the right thing at the right time?
1: Um, in some ways, yes. I mean, I, this is such an interesting question, and it didn't hit me till right now, which is I'm also a professor at the new school. Mm-hmm. And I, after I teach every single time, doesn't matter how much coffee I've had, how many Red Bulls, I always, like, get hit with this moment of, like, okay, I need to take a nap. And so I do think you are right in that regard where there is something tiring about being on. And again, like, I never change how I talk. Mm -hmm, I never change, but it doesn't even matter. You can still be 100% yourself, but there is still some sort of, like, pressure on the body, on the person to where you, like, need a nap after. But you can't really take a nap after some of these things, right? Especially this past week where it's, like, uh, like when we got to San Francisco, cause my husband came on tour with me, thank God it would have been a much harder experience if he had not, but it was like, okay, LA event the night before, you know, the drinks and stuff with people after waking up at 6am for the flight, getting there, having to do an interview, a podcast, check into the hotel, eat food, meet ahead before to talk to the person doing the event with, have the event. And then after you know, it, it's a lot. And I'm an extroverted social person. Mm-hmm. Like I am not someone who's sitting there like oh, this is tiring, like, in general, I'm just not that person. And I've kind of become that person where it, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be still fun. So great. But you know, and that kind of exhaustion dealing with this stuff is the fun kind. Yeah. And there's the other exhausting stuff that's much harder on you.
0: Yeah, I remember when I first out of college, I worked for like a pop culture magazine, I would interview like indie musicians, and some were big and like, people I had listened to, like growing or, you know, in high school, and some were like, starting out my age you know 18 to 22 years old and like but i was just i would amp myself up for like my interviews and they were not podcasts they were like hey i'm taking notes and uh i'm gonna write something right uh and i would just get so sick to my stomach almost like i was like psyching myself out and then once like i transitioned to like the literary world it was the same thing because one i felt like an imposter because i don't have a writing background i just like i'm a reader right Mm -hmm. and now it's like beautiful like I was just at target right before i hopped on with you like you know but two years ago i would have been like sitting like stressed out all morning to before i talked to you um it's yeah it's just it is interesting that i don't think people think about these things like it is hard to do what we're doing even though we're just talking
1: yeah it's it's certainly it certainly has a tax, and i mean i at first i was thinking when i first started this i was like oh maybe i'll try taking some notes before whatever and then I realized even that was is wild because I am someone who just does hardly in that regard. Yeah. I can only ever succeed if it's like truly going by my gut or intuition. Mm-hmm. Like the second I start to plan is the second that my mind just goes left. And yeah. even to be in that position where something that you just know about yourself, that you trust about yourself, that you're like, <laughs> why don't I try something different that I know doesn't work? Even that's a weird kind of mind fuck because it's like, what is going on with my mind?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and with tour, uh, I, I worked for a bookstore for two years doing events like that was my thing. Uh, so I you know put up like two hundred events over the course of that that time period. Um, but I'm curious, like how do you like to prep? You mentioned you talk to like the, you know your in conversation guest right before. Do you want to know the questions, or, or do you just tell them? Just give me a conversation.
1: I don't want to know again. Like yeah. I'm just any kind of preparation like that is just so against who I am as a person and I always tell people like I just I bet on myself like I know at the end of the day I will be fine what I say will will work what I'll do will work and the more I kind of like mess with that kind of confidence or mess with that kind of just mantra the worse I become like the, the one and only interview I did where I walked away being like, what is wrong with you, Kyle? Was because I was like, let me just write down a few things first. And it does something to my mind that just mm-hmm. is not good. Yeah.
0: yeah. How has like uh, the audience or reader reception been, uh, you know, on tour and then just like on social media and stuff?
1: On tour, amazing. It's yeah. truly, truly amazing. The, you know, really, the people that come are, you know, smart interesting you know attentive people online is a whole different mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. which is has on almost you know which is why like I just kind of left twitter and instagram yeah. for a bit because some of the stuff that I see people say on it is shocking to me mm-hmm. and especially the goodreads stuff you know which I the only reason I even get involved in the goodreads is because you can't kind of, you know, my marketer, my marketing team's like, okay, you need to claim this profile, you know, to put up your picture, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Which in some ways great, they got to do giveaways, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Who cares? The bad part is, you know, I'm gay, queer, whatever. And in my life, like I obviously allow no homophobia, no any kind of, you know, weird, wild stuff. And because of my proximity to the book and then to sort of some of the things people say in mind for the first time in my adult life i've been forced to encounter these yeah. like really homophobic people with really homophobic ideas who say these nasty homophobic things and then argue about it on my page for like you know with all these questions all these comments and my response i you know it's hard because one of the ways I learned how to survive and learn how to heal and learn how to like not hold on to things was to speak out and speak up mm-hmm. like in my real life if I ever saw that like I would I'm a New Yorker like I'd be going off yeah. but because it's Goodreads because it's these people you can't and that's been hard because I feel kind of silenced where normally I, I would truly rip into these people I would yeah. probably, and even in a in a polite way because what I would want to say to them is you are a Goodreads user. You see that this page is claimed. You see a, a comment from me on there. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you that you see, you know I'm there, you know I can see it, and you're saying these extraordinarily insane things. It's it's shocking. It's just like, who raised you?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I don't use Goodreads for myself. Like logging it, I I attempted to, and I was like, whatever. Um, But every now and then I'll pop on, especially when there's a book coming out that like yours or whatever. uh, And I pop on and I'm just like, yeah, the same reaction. I feel Twitter is a toxic place, but Goodreads is even more toxic, I feel because these people feel entitled even more so, you know, I don't, it's it is interesting. And there's other there's other sites too like that. But uh, even I saw another writer was reviewed in the L.A. Times, and all the comments uh, in that were wild. Because like L.A. Times subscribers are or whoever, whatever subscriber just feels so entitled to the book, which is just fascinating to me.
1: It's it's bizarre, and especially there have been and whatever it's like been long blocked on my mm-hmm, phone mm-hmm. and computer now, but. the the strangest ones are the ones where it's like they thank you because there are people being like okay thank you kyle do for this advanced copy and then they'll just like say certain things that just again shock me like people using the phrase like like homosexuality which is like when that's like the first clue that someone's about to say something homophobic when they're not saying like gay or queer and you know then just go in in these nasty ways and it's again, like blocked, whatever, but it does take a toll because you're silenced in the way that you can't be like, fuck you.
0: Yeah. And uh, something I talked about recently with a few writers is like the idea of not having to have social media, but feeling like you have to have it because it is like how you connect with readers. And I know you're taking a break, but like prior to that, like leading up to publication, like, did you feel like you had to be on, like you had to be checking, retweeting, saving whatever, whatever, whatever.
1: Um, not exactly. I Hmm. mean, I will say like my, my publicist and marketing team, I I want to call her a marketer, but I actually don't even know if that's a word because you have a publicist, but what's the because there's two, there's the publicist and then there's and I'm like, she marketer? I don't know. Anyway, the marketer, <laughs> the marketer. They, they've been good to me. We're like, you know, you can kind of lead the way here. We trust you. You're cool. Like, we want you to do it. And Instagram, I'd already been on because, like, I'm an Instagram gay. Like, I love posting my shirtless little pics. Yeah. So that is, you know, that's already been that way forever. But Twitter, I did exclusively go on just because I knew these articles were coming out, And I deeply regret it. I literally, mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't done it because it's not yeah, it gets maybe it gets some sales, but I don't even know if it does, but what it does to my mental health has just been, has been not great. And I, you know, I just should not have done that, but there was no one who forced me into it. It was my own error.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I know we've been focusing on doom and gloom and, uh, for listeners, it's literally because uh, this fascinates me. Uh, And Kyle, you had just like, yeah, tweeted last night. You're taking a social media break. Um, But to focus on like the positives, that Esquire piece you wrote was beautiful. Um, How did that come about? For people who don't know like how when you're publishing a book, there's other things you have to do. Was that part of it? Was this something you've been working on for a while? No, this was
1: part of it. And just like a comment on the doom and gloom, I literally live in an interview where the people are kind of honest with what they're dealing with. That's like my favorite thing in the <laughs> world. So I hope that the people listening kind of at I least think, get to like what it's like.
0: I think they'll appreciate it. I think other writers will appreciate it for sure.
1: Um, the pre- Okay, so yeah, you have your book coming out. You're supposed to have r- write these essays to kind of get your name out there. And I had all these different ideas. Um, I have another one coming up very soon. But this one, I had... R- Recently, because of my book coming out, my biological family got in contact with me. And it was like a months-long saga that I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to write about... I knew I was going to write about this. And then when we were thinking about essays, I was like, oh my god, duh. Like, what better merging of the real world and my book than my actual biological family finding me because of this? Mm -hmm. So we pitched it to Adrienne at Esquire, who said, yes, she's amazing. And the essay was written very quickly because... Mm -hmm. I am a last minute person, like for real, in ways that are worse than you can imagine. And I waited till the very last second, Was had called all my friends earlier in the week, like, how do you write an essay? You know, cause I'm just a fiction writer. Yeah. And I basically needed one of them to give me permission to again, just sound like myself. And the second that happened, I like pumped this essay out in a couple days gave it off to adrian we had a couple weeks of some revisions and then it came out to honestly an extraordinary response like it was it was really really well received which was meaningful yeah
0: no i loved it um i don't i mean i don't read every essay that's coming out from the writers i'm covering but there's a lot that catch my eye and yours was like an instant read um yeah i loved it i hope people check it out i'll link it in the show notes um And then, just like looking forward, uh, I know your book has just been out for a week, uh, the time of recording this, but as someone who loves to write, are you, are you writing? Are you already, has your brain shift to the future?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm deep into book two.
0: Um, You don't have to talk about details or anything, but yeah.
1: No, deep into it. I, one of the, the not one of the only mistakes, one of the only mistakes I made is that in grad school, Nathan Englander, who was one of my professors and then John Freeman, Both of them were like, whatever you do, do not only work at one book at a time, because the second you finish that one book, you're going to go nuts. And I did not listen to them because I was like, so gung ho, like Aries vibes, like, I'm going to finish this. And then I finished it and was like, oh, shit. So taking their advice this time, working on two things simultaneously, but I've been deep into it and it's great to be writing again. So that's why we're in this. I'm in this to write and read. I'm sure you are too, like. No one's in this for, you know, the other bullshit stuff.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and while you're taking a social media break, I guess, uh, we'll shout out your sub stack, right? That's the best way to follow you then and, and keep in communication with you?
1: Yeah. I mean, people can still, because I didn't delete, oh, people can still sure. follow the Instagram and Twitter, um, the sub stack too. I'm sure I'll be back, you know, the second I have a picture I want to post online. But, <laughs> yeah, it is beach season still in New York. So...
0: <laughs> thank you so much to kyle dylan hurts for joining the day beautiful podcast to really talk about a side of publishing that i touch upon briefly but never really take a deep dive into uh, his debut novel the look back window is out now you could follow him on kyle and on twitter and instagram at kyle dylan you can follow day beautiful at day beautiful.net and on all social media at day beautiful And as always, I'm Adam, this is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.